Hello and welcome to another episode of the TK Podcast. I am your typical host, uh, Alex Best, and today I'm joined by Anushka Davies as my co-host. Hi Anushka, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm really well, Alex. How are you? Yeah, not bad, not bad. I'm... <laughs> At the time of recording, this probably isn't close, but I had I just recently had my birthday, so had some good celebrations. Happy birthday! Birthday! Um, Try to keep it mature, um, let's say, and and collected. So yeah, it was good. It was yeah, good. Yeah, well, thanks. Thanks for the birthday invite. Um, I mean, <laughs> you, re- you live really far away. Would have been like, and then you got to sort out babysitting and stuff oh, like that. Oh yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, really, it's I was right. doing a favour. I didn't want you to have to do all of the extra work. If there's a party, I'm there. You know you that. Alex. Champagne. That's the thing you missed <laughs> out. <about>. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I I would have bought you a bottle of something. Oh okay. You know what? Next year. Next, next year. year. Next year we'll get it sorted. We'll get it sorted. Um, and then today um, we've got two amazing people uh, joining us on the podcast. One of those is uh, Soft Kata um, and knows Anushka very, very well. Um, we've got Justice Dapper. Hi, Justice. How are you doing? Hey, Alex. Nice to meet you, man. Nice to see you again. Um, happy to be here as well, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um... And nice to see each other off the football field, I. Here. Oh, no, yes, no. Sorry, I know, I know. Um, I shouldn't so, really. Still saw so just, that. So, so just still for listeners, just, just so that we're aware of. Look, you smile until this There was an event that was set up by AWS, um, a Cloud Cup, um, which included Software One and Softcat. And we played a little game of football, and one team happened to win. and... <laughs> One team happened to lose, and someone on the call happened to score, but his name is... <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, it, went all, it went down to the wire, though. It went to penalties, quarterfinals. Three uh, Caroline was playing as the penalties uh, ago. It actually was. Oh, oh, gosh. I'm not making this up. <laughs> wow, that sounds epic. This is Wembley, this is Wembley star here. This, right? is, this is, yeah. yeah. I'm, I mean, it was at Plough Lane, AFC Wimbledon. It's a League Two side, so it yeah, was... Um, it was, it was a good setting. That was definitely the game of the tournament. Uh, Everyone stopped and watched it. Like, yeah, it 100%. 100%. It even got, got a, a little spicy, let's say. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, she did. Well. Yeah, it did. It got a little, little spicy. You gave me a little headbutt from behind as well, didn't you? Oh, there we go. There we go. There so let's, go. Hope none of, let, let's hope we can keep it all nice and clean on this podcast. Exactly. Welcome to the podcast, Justice. Thanks, man. <laughs> Um, and then the second person we have um, is the main man at Upskill Digital. Um, he's won a recent award um, for his success that he's had up to this point. Um, so we have Gori Yahaya. Is that right, Yahaya? Yeah, that's, yeah, I said it right. Thank you so much, Alex. Ple- genuinely pleasure to be here. Um, super excited to kind of get into this conversation. I've got I missed the match, by the way. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> got um, I think they've got pictures from when I scored. I can share that with you. Oh, God. I love it. Still so raw. We'll be talking about this in like six months' time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can oh, see yeah, it coming up 100%. again. 100%. Yeah. Pleasure to be here though. Yeah, super excited about this. Yeah, lovely to have you, Gory. So today um, on the podcast, we are focusing on upskilling and how we can help those from underrepresented backgrounds um, get into tech as well. What we've got is we've got two people who are on different sides of this. We've got Justice, who has an amazing story about 
the trials and tribulations he's had to get him to the point where he's at now. And we've got Gory who sits on the other side and he's really one of the spearheads within the industry that's really trying to drive um, that excellence of people from underrepresented backgrounds into IT um, and into tech roles, not just in sales, but beyond that as well. Um, so Gory, first and foremost, I thought I'd give you the floor um, because a lot of the listeners aren't going to know what Upskill Digital is, what you guys do and how you're helping everyone within the industry. Why don't you give us an explanation of who you guys are and, and, and how you help? Absolutely. Thank, thanks, Alex. So uh, Upskill Digital, I founded this about seven years ago. Uh, it's actually my third startup. Um, but the area that we play in is all around skills, talent and inclusion. So what we do is we build learning programs that... Uh, essentially try to equip people with the skills they need to be able to thrive either in the workforce, um, especially where there are uh, workforces are, you know, really sort of pervasive with digital skills, with technical platforms, with softwares that, you know, people need to be able to use well uh, to be able to thrive in the workplace as well and have the confidence they need as well. So we do training, we're actually the agency behind some of the larger national digital skills programs like Google's Digital Garage, Lloyd's, uh, BT Skills for Tomorrow, national programs that are helping people regardless of their background, their socioeconomic background, their age, um, so they can get into the workplace and hopefully thrive when they get there as well. Um, Talent-wise, we place we, we have academies that get um, people upskilled in very advanced digital skills, so things like data science, uh, cloud engineering, and then place them in, in, in organizations um, to help us or help the industry, within the tech industry, actually drive better representation. Um, you know, so we specifically focus on marginalized communities to get them into those organizations. Then on the flip side, we help those organizations build more inclusive environments. Um, so training managers, training senior leaders, helping them feel more equipped to drive more cultural integration into their organization as well. So end to end, we're all about scale. Um, we're trying to really support people to feel confident um, because we know that tech is really dictating our lives at the moment. So, you know, how do we ensure that, um, you know, we are able to kind of thrive with it um, and get the human support to be able to help us get there as well? Wow. Yeah. So that, that that's amazing. That's There's so much in the package uh, that, you're, that you're doing um, for a lot of people. I'm, I'm keen to understand the why. Like, what's, what inspired you um, to start Upskill Digital? I know you're saying this is your third startup, so you're obviously a man with many ideas, um, but I'm wondering what's made you go down this path? I mean, you are right. I'm, I'm a man with many ideas. I love solving problems. Um, and I love solving problems that I can do in a way that scales um, with Upskill. I guess what really baffled me was the fact that so many people lack confidence in getting hands-on with tech to either help them get into a job or just even build their businesses, right? In my early days, I was supporting, I was actually on tour with, with Google building a program that basically was educating small businesses on how to build websites and that sort of stuff. And, and, and there was such a hesitation towards, um, towards technology, uh, you know, whether it's social media or whether it was, um, you know, Microsoft Excel, you know, little things that people just thought, ah, it's just, it's not, it's not within reach. And, you know, I just thought there was, thought was an opportunity there. I said, if you can build uh, training in a way that makes it exciting for people, um, that they want to get hands on with it and, you know, spread the word about it and, and feel equipped, then they'll be more productive, they'll enjoy work more. Um, and, uh, and, and then, and then upskill I knew on the other side of it was, you know, how do we get people getting into job and jobs and getting, creating better pathways. Right. And that meant, you know, breaking down the barriers to getting into organizations as well. So you have to think pretty creatively about that. 
I mean, there's huge inequalities in terms of how, um, you know, certain people from certain backgrounds and communities don't have access to these jobs, um, you know, or let alone access to, let alone access to the, the learning opportunities to get into those jobs. So, so that's where it got built from. That's what I wanted to focus on. Yeah. And actually getting into jobs, um, particularly from a social inequality perspective, getting into jobs in the first place is difficult anyway. And then put the tech on top of that. I know like we do quite a lot of work with um, universities and schools and um, just getting more women into tech, quite frankly, as well. You know, like the industry needs more needs more women as well. And um, it's quite a scary kind of industry to be. When I say scary industry, it's more kind of the technical aspects of it can put people off. Do you find also within the community groups that you work in and operate in, do you find that the, te the tech side of things can be a potential barrier? It can in, in, in two ways, really. So there's one part of it where it's like, do you have the right resources and devices and just access to to um, simple things like just broadband, right? Like mm. you know, at the home, the setup to be able to say, hold on, all right, so I've got everything I need to write a really effective CV, right? Or to be able to research jobs or job vacancies. I mean, I was thinking about this, this yesterday and speaking to an organization whose job, job vacancies weren't optimized for mobile so like you couldn't apply easily through mobile and it, there is some stats that they said 92 percent of of, of uh you know, young people in the uk have a smartphone um mm -hmm. but something like 42 percent either don't have a laptop or don't have broadband yeah and when you think about it it's like they, they, there's, there's there's a huge gap there right and those inequalities yeah. means that people can't even get you know they don't have the devices to be able to apply yeah. for that which is an issue and the other side is the skills and like you said it's a bit overwhelming for some people if you've, you know, you've grown up in your family and, you know, I know I didn't have many people talk, talking to me about the importance of tech and where you could go and what yeah. you could become and all this, because there's a lot, a lot of it's new. So if you don't have that around you or people that are in successful roles, right, that can tell you about that journey, where do you, where do you learn about it from? Yeah, you know absolutely. I mean? Yeah. I think that's, that's where there are barriers, right? Whether it's, mm. it's not really just, just female or ethnic diverse is people just from certain backgrounds don't have access to those yeah, and, that, and that's that. That yeah. it exists. It exists right now. Yeah. Yeah, and and sort of a similar question to you, Justice. And I, I, I feel like you may be able to come from a different perspective because you've gone through it quite recently. Um, those 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 barriers that you faced. Is it just around um, tech, or is it also around sort of? just the community that you're in as well, because you've got your friends and they're doing different things. And I'm presuming you come from a background which is similar to mine. So you've got people who are doing stuff that isn't the right path, whereas you've got people who are trying to be rappers or footballers, sort of the generics. <laughs> like, how yeah. do you, um, what, what other barriers have you, have you had to face or overcome? Yeah, I think, <clears throat> sorry, I think it's fine. I think um, when I was growing up in school as well, it's like everyone was sort of, it's, I went to a normal school that was um, inner city London. It was quite, it was in a rough area and all that sort of thing. And I think you had to be, well, I had to be very conscious about where I wanted to see myself. And when I was coming up, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I just knew I wanted to work in the city. That was the one goal I gave myself as I was studying. Um, and it was like, I didn't really know how to get there. I had no clue how to get, I didn't really know what jobs were out there definitely didn't know about the jobs in IT. Um, it was all, oh, you're going to be a lawyer, you're going to be a doctor. It was that kind of question <laughs> yeah. you get from an African uphold um, <laughs> household. So yeah, I, I had literally not, I didn't have much idea about what there was in IT. Um, 
And I think it was very difficult to navigate that space. And there weren't a lot of role models, like you were saying, Gori. I think it would have been so key to have some role models where you could have, you know, or even having a few more people coming into the school to discuss how they got to where they got to, you know. So you sort of know how to navigate and sort of make sure that you're making the right decisions to boost yourself in your career. Um, and I think as well, oh, I was going to talk about slightly later on, but I think a lot of the, some of the things you face when you're talking inequality wise, I had a lot of friends that had to work in like, um, like just maybe your JD or your Tesco, whatever it was, just to make some money towards, to go towards the household. But I think in other scenarios, in a more equal setting, you might be doing uh, unpaid work experience where you're shadowing in a firm that's actually going to, uh, where you can network and learn in, in yeah. initial skills. So you can actually progress and go into some, something like that. Um, mm. So those are some of the inequalities you have where you actually got to, you have to survive before you can even think about moving out of the area and actually pursuing your own dreams. Mm. So, yeah. so, so I've, I've got a question because I know we'll have a lot of um, directors and company owners who will be listening to this and obviously Gory's um, on, on the podcast as well. If you... I know, and this might be quite a difficult question to ask. If you, have you got any ideas on what you would have liked in terms of support when you were when you had this idea of I want to go and work in this city, but I may need to go and work in the JD or an office or uh, do a second job at the same time to support my family, and I'm not sure if I'm going to get that opportunity. How could whether that's school or companies or anything, what 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 could be what could be, have been useful to you at that point? I think at that point in time, um, it would have been useful for us to have, again, it's, I think a lot of guest speakers just to inspire. Yeah. We did get, we did get David Lammy came down once and that was a massive deal in school. It was like, I think it was, he's just, he's a great orator anyway. So um, he definitely inspired us. And I think having a, a black role model who's gone on to do something, um, make a good name for himself, um, a good living for himself, having that, experience there and having a role model to look to and be like okay he's done this you get five minutes to speak to him at the end and okay this is how he did this this is how I can do this um but on a more practical level I think it was more around the thing that actually was a difference for me was um when an agency uh, a non-profit social mobility agency called the brokerage came in and they sat down with us and I remember my whole year being in there and they were talking about um they can really help us get into I guess different roles and it can help us with our CVs, help us with, you know, perhaps getting into those um, institutions where we wouldn't really know how to go about it, we wouldn't know how to apply for jobs, we had no preparation. They helped us do a bit of that groundwork. So I think yeah. it is a bit of that care where, you know, you can see that it was the first time you sort of felt like someone was actually caring about you from this sort of background, was actually considering you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was only like five of us that have really actually seized that opportunity and applied to the internship and, you know, I managed to end up at the Bank of England, which I had no, I definitely felt out of my depth when I was there <laughs> initially, but I was like, I had no right, I was like, I, was like, I have no right to be it. <laughs> I was like, but it was only because I always wanted to do it, but I had no idea on how to get to that point. So, and what yeah. did you, what did you do at Bank of England? I mean, because I love, I love hearing the fact that you, um, and you can tell this story yourself, but you know, you decided to take that, to, to seize that opportunity during like the six weeks break that you normally get and I love the fact that you actually um went off and did that when all of your other mates decided that ah uh, it was the most painful six idea. weeks it was that six weeks was um it was the last year before like college or 
I think it was last year before college. Or, no, it was the last, last year before uni. So it's like last time you're going to see so year your friends. 13. Year 13. Um, but I've been engaging with the brokerage for about a year at that point to get to that point. But um, I think, yeah, I sort of had to be headstrong when a lot of my friends were like, oh, it's a waste of time. Why are you doing this? All that sort of thing. But there was definitely a desire from the few of us that did actually take on the opportunity to just engage. And we saw it as, okay, this could be, obviously we're fell footballers. <laughs> this could be how we actually you know, <laughs> make the money that we want to make. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Can, I, can I pick up on a couple of points there as well, actually? Like, and I think it's just it's so important to, to, for people to understand the story and the, and the barriers that are in, in the way. And a couple of things that you said, Justice, like one thing I'm going to start and work backwards, you said, you know, I don't have a right to be here, right? And you get to the organization thinking, I made it to the city and I'm in this big organization and, you know, I, I feel I feel out of my depth, you know, I'm an imposter, that kind of stuff. How on earth did I make it here? Now, you're sort of one of many more people that are coming up thinking, actually, do you know what? I can get there, right? Because someone like Justice can make it. And, you know, when we get there, we can actually be, um, you know, we're a force to be reckoned with. You know, we're going to go in and make sure people are aware that we have the skills and we have the confidence and we're passionate and driven. But that mentality that a lot of people have is there's no point in trying because that's not for you. And that's yeah. a big barrier for some individuals where they're like, so I'm, I'm also, I'm also um, uh, a trustee for a charity called uh, Founders for Schools. And what they do is try to get leaders into schools to talk about their journey, talk about what it's like when you get there, talk about why you'd want to come into a, an, um, uh, an organization like a large tech organization or finance or, or legal or whatever. And, you know, those individuals, they do inspire you, but then that they have to give you that, that belief, right, that you should be there, that is a path you should take. Mm. Um, and look, I've got African parents as well, always got told, yeah, lawyer, doctor, you know, engineer, major. <laughs> um, and you're like, well, hold on a sec, because their generation didn't know too much about IT. It wasn't as prolific then, and now it is. It wasn't a thing, yeah. Exactly. So it's just, you know, that belief is something that you've really got to drive home for people to feel like, okay, mm. that is somewhere that you can be. Role models have got to be there for you and you can get the skills to get there, take ownership of it. And when you get there, own, own your difference, own who you are, own, you know, like mm. what makes you special. And that's so, so important. That's one of the key things that I, I want to pick up on because I think it's so important that you mention that as well, Justice. Yeah, yeah. And you, and the, the thing that kind of always sparks me is that having that confidence then to kind of fight back any negative comments that you might get, whether that's from family or your mates, like Justice, you know, or your mates might have been having, having a good time for six weeks, last six weeks before they go to uni or take on jobs and you're doing something really practical with your life for six weeks. It's like pushing people off a little bit and go, no, I'm doing the right thing and holding, holding your own there as well. That must have been quite, quite hard as well. It was, it was. I think it, it was, it was a bit, um, there were two sides of it, I think. Initially, it was like, you're watching all your friends go, like, Thorpe Park and all this sort of thing. <laughs> and, you know, you're there sweltering on the central line in your suit. Um, <laughs> but um, I think, I did see two sides, definitely, where it was like, you had a few people where it was like, they're looking at you like, you know, what's he doing? But there was a lot of people where it was actually like, they were encouraging me, but they were also saying, you know what, go on, do it for us sort of thing. It's like, we might not go there ourselves, but we're proud of you. Keep on doing what you're doing and keep on going yeah. from strength to strength. So it was actually it was actually quite a nice moment. And I think I've always had the pressure of uh, in my household being like, you're the oldest son. You have to do you have to set the benchmark for your younger brothers. So you know, my dad's always reminding me, your brothers are watching you. 
So I, I had a bit of that on me as well. It's like mm-hmm. I've got to set the tone for my brothers, and I, I can't really put a foot wrong. Um, so yeah, it was it was difficult, but it was definitely rewarding. And I think even I think I, I was paid a little bit. It was a paid internship, but even if it wasn't paid, it was just that opportunity to be in that environment, to be in the city, to just experience it and make those connections. It was invaluable, absolutely invaluable. And I think I just add to that on the connections piece, right? Where there are a lot of other people that aren't from underrepresented backgrounds who have connections with people who work in those organizations. So it feels easier to access. So, So what's really important is that you know, the organization that going into schools and saying, hey, you can be this, here's how you get here, here the skills you need, here the tools you need to get that is so, so key. It's like a lot of what we do yeah. when we do our programs is that we want to have you the confidence and beliefs to get there, but also, you know, you're not going to have a similar path to some others who know someone who knows someone who knows someone who puts you in that position and, you know, you can just get in there. You you, you, you do need to, to know what you need so when you get there, so for example, you know, what skills are going to be vital for the, that the organization is looking for? Um, you know, how do I ensure that I don't have the negative attitude of that I'm not supposed to be there, but I also get the self-efficacy of like, hold on, I can teach myself what needs to be done and I'm hungry and I can do it for others and show other people what I can get there as well. So it's just really important that, you know, we can identify where some people don't have that simpler access into yeah. those industries. They've got to do a little bit more, but they're equipping themselves and they're hungry and that's key, yeah. right? So, you know, we, yeah. want to, we want to work on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, Alex, oh, I hope, finish. It, hope oh, it's sorry. okay if I ask a quick... Oh, sorry, Justice, I want to ask a question. You're... Alex, how did you end up, because you work for a good company as well, how did you end up where you are, if you don't mind um, me asking? So, I, I'll probably, I'll gloss over the bit that's probably quite, quite short, which is I was in a similar position to you, um, sort of year 12, not know, knowing what I wanted to do. Um, and then I had someone who was the son um, of my maths teacher because at the time I was very good at certain aspects of math like probability, vectors, other, like other different areas um, and he said look you might want to be an actuary, I'll bring my son in, um, you can have a conversation with him and see if that's something that you want to do. Now I'm quite money driven hence why i'm in the sales role um and when i spoke to him and he said i can make you can make six figures you've just got to complete some exams um i was like okay i'm a really straightforward um so i went to kingston university um and completed my degree for being an actuary however i realized after the first year that that was absolutely not what i want to do um, had no enjoyment in it. It was just, every, it was too much numbers for me. Um, I definitely could have gone and pursued it, but I've also found out later on in life that I've got a friend from when I've graduated who's gone and they're doing their last exam. He's missed out on probably, he's 26 now. Um, and since university um, or since A-levels, he's done an, at least two exams every year for his entire life. Um, just to get to the point where he is. Yes, he's now got to the point where he's going to make six figures, but his life is completely um, cut off. He doesn't have that social aspect. He yeah. sort of like, comes out to see me if it's like in that period, there's like two periods in the year where he doesn't have to do any revision or any work and he'll come out and he'll socialize and that's it. Um, and I was like, that's just not for me. Um, but then alongside me being in university, I worked in a lot of shoes shops. So started at Kurt Geiger, um, which absolutely enjoyed just just to want the, the be 
B2C selling, right? Just selling to people, speaking to people, find out what they want. Some people kind of like didn't really care for it, but I could tell I actually wanted to make some money and wanted to be the one who had their name at the top of their list. So I went from there to office, which I ended up being at office for about three or four years. Amazing. Worked at Russell and Bromley. Um, didn't really enjoy that too much. But from that experience, what I found out was that I enjoy selling. I enjoy speaking to people. I enjoy that aspect of it. If even if the next step is B2B, then so be it. Let me go and do that. Let me try that. Um, and I went for a graduate scheme after graduating through Pareto Law. I don't know if anyone's yeah. heard of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, Pareto Law, their format is they get a large amount of people, like 60, 70, I think even in some cases over 100 people win yeah, for like an assessment day. Mm. Um, and they all whittle it down to less than 10 Um from just that whole day period doing a bunch of different tasks um, and luckily I ended up being in that six and, and, and then got put into my first role in IT which essentially was just cold calling and um, really just trying to get new business calls and book meetings and that and that type mm. of stuff which I call it in the trenches everyone needs to do it themselves <laughs> I feel like you need to go through that understanding um, how you can win a new customer how to build those relationships and things like that um, but yeah, that's that's probably the first part. When I was in that role, I kind of, I was doing really well. I didn't end up enjoying the company I was in at the time. So I ended up moving on and in fact, leaving the tech industry altogether um, to go and work for a publication um, in the fear industry, which I actually didn't really have too much interest on. But what I learned there is about the culture and the fact that you need to invest in the people internally and build those relationships and actually yeah. try and, be a part of the brand that you're in, right? Um, which is now when I come to Software One, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. Not just be a part of Software One, but be a part of my community outside of that and see how I can affect my community outside of that. Mm. Um, but yeah, a lot a, a lot of um, bumps in the road in that time as well that I've not really mentioned, but I thought I'd give you the, the straight line version. Yeah. And what you've what you've just highlighted there, which is really similar to Softcat Justice as well, isn't it? That you know, we when I was saying earlier that some people um, think like you have to be really technical to work in the tech sector. Well, of course you need to be technical if you're working in a technical role or like a quite a niche role, or you're I don't know, you're an engineer or you're going out to install stuff, whatever for customers. But when it comes to our our organisations, you know, Software One, Softcat, Softcat are exactly the same kind of organisation really. And um, from a sales perspective, you know, you've you've what you highlighted, Alex, was that you kind of honed in on your motivators. Um, you know, you what you were money driven and that then kind of it talks that kind of gives you um the opens up the opportunities that could potentially be available for you which one of his sales so it's kind of taking that technical aspect out of it sometimes to kind of focus on what the organization does best which is around you know building relationships working with customers on building out solutions that rapport that you build you know that that kind of end-to-end -end provider um, experience that you give that's the bit that is really important in some of our some of our organizations I think one thing to add to that sorry Alex just to mention is that and a lot of organizations you know they look at the technical skills for the technical roles and yeah. they say, okay, well, let's make sure you have those and you know yeah. when you build some of the academies that we have they are helping you have those technical skills but the large potential organizations need you to have those softer skills um, you know whether Absolutely. 
the problem solving, whether it's um, you know collaborating effectively with other people, empathy with others as well. So when when I look at upskilling and when we do the programs that we run, we have to kind of layer that above on top of all of the yeah. technical skills that you have. So let's say you learn about data analysis and you learn how to kind of you know you know work with large sets of data. How do you visualize that? But how do you get the story across to someone, right? And there are soft skills around presentation, around visualization around um, having the confidence to get it across and ask the right questions of people so they know that they've understood what you're trying to get across and that's that's key to it so those soft skills and technicals have to match um, and outside of that there's a whole culture piece which i can go into uh, <laughs> later on but i think there is something that we need to to think about organizations need to think about when they're trying to bring in the talent that is hungry mm. for, that is maybe hungry for money if it's in sales or just hungry to to show that they can do something effective in that organization yeah no, fair, fair. Um, I just wanted to, to so you've, you've talked a lot and particularly Justice about your experience um, a few years ago and Gory, based on your experience at Upskill, Upskill Digital um, and the progress you've made as well, I kind of wanted to see what you'll see, you know, how do you view the world now? Like, so compared to a few years ago, what are you seeing that is different or not different when it comes to um, our, our, you know, whether it's organisations focus or government focus on social inequality? What What's your opinion there? Gory might want to start. Yeah, sure. Um, look, prior to the pandemic, uh, there was a huge challenge around the digital skills gap, digital inclusion generally. Um, the pandemic just exacerbated that. Um, yeah. There, there is... In some ways, it shone a light on it, but in other ways, it, I don't think the investment has been. The investment is is growing, but you know, there's still the gap is growing even faster. Um, you know, if I if I think about, you know, what's happened since the pandemic, and I, and let me look at like big tech, for example. So some of the larger tech organisations, um, or a lot of people in the IT uh, organisations in the IT industry, profits are soaring. Organizations are, 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 you know, we're talking all the large Amazons and Microsoft, the rest of it. I mean, they've got from 50 to 200% growth yeah. since then, yeah? But the investment that goes back into communities to ensure we're driving the right representation, it isn't following suit. They are investing and there is more of it, but to be able to meet the gap as it's growing, it needs to grow even further. You know, you're talking, where I'm seeing the social inequality even, even also growing is that, you know, a lot of people lost jobs, obviously, uh, due to the pandemic and COVID and people shutting down. What you find is that in the top higher paying jobs, so let's say top 25% of jobs that yep. are higher paying, higher, more technically skilled, there are more and more jobs at that level and less and less jobs for those that are in lower paying uh, or lower paying jobs from low socioeconomic backgrounds. So the fight is harder. Automation is driving that. Many organizations are saying we need to automate our services so we've got less people coming in. So you need, you need more skills right, to get into those jobs, but there's less yeah. jobs available, right? And then at the higher place jobs, you need more advanced skills as well. So what I'm mm -hmm. seeing is that displacement is becoming wider. And, you know, the part of people take to get into either of those two levels, it needs more support from a government level, from a corporate yeah. level, from a small business level, right? People need to make sure that they're making themselves accessible to those from regardless of their background. And, you know, building learning programs that are accessible, right? That do feel like people come out with yeah. something as well. I mean, look, if you're, you know, you're, the, 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 the price of, of higher education is, is skyrocketing, right? And traditionally in a lot of organizations, those in digital or technical jobs have come through some sort of degree or, um, or have completed some sort of degree. And I think, you know, you find people just have less access to that. 
So their alternative yeah. route into tech are becoming much more interesting for individuals. And that's a big change I'm shifting. And I'm right now mm -hmm. just talking about skills. What I'm, I haven't even touched on is how inclusion has a massive focus for organizations, right? Yeah, yeah. Many organizations call themselves purpose-driven, but can't showcase how the, the environment is right yeah. for, for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, maybe we can hold that thought for a second just to bring justice in because um, I don't know what you think. You, you were talking about how you've got some you've got lots of friends from um, I guess different uh, school levels um, and you've got siblings as well. Have have you seen a difference um, over the last few years? Here in Sofka, I think in the London office, we're doing quite a bit more to within our BAME community to actually encourage more. Um, people of colour being hired and making them feel welcome when they're in this environment once they actually get here. Um, but I think when I talk to my younger brothers and I think I talk to them about how they're, how they feel about going into the workplace and taking those steps, I think their perception is changing as well. I think there is a, there's a sense now that you do actually belong. And I think there are more people looking to make that transition than when I was in school. Yeah. Um, and I think, I don't know if that's due to, um, I don't know if that's due to more people just making it and more there, there being more a little bit more representation now, but mm. um, yeah, I'm definitely seeing a bit bit more of that. Yeah, yeah. And do you see more organisations being confident um, on that outreach? Like, you know, had it not been for brokerage, like you said, you took on that mm. opportunity. Do you do you based on the community? Do you feel like more organisations are doing their bit? Um, I'd say it's. I guess it's kind of hard for me to judge, but I'd say I'm not sure, you know, I, I'm not sure. I think no. there is a bit more, probably there's probably more outreach. And mm -hmm. in fact, my brother, my brother actually said the soft cat come into the school not too long ago. Oh, really? So you're you seeing more businesses definitely make that, um, outstretch that hand and come in and try and showcase that there is a place for them, a um, yeah. place for us. But um, yeah, I guess that's probably the extent of my knowledge on that. Mm. I think it's interesting that you, you, you said that there's been this shift around like apprenticeships and just everyone from our background feeling a little bit more inclusive to like office jobs. Um, because I remember the facts, the reason that I probably finished my degree was for the sole reason um, that, that Gory I think was suggesting about the fact that in most of these roles, they're sort of putting on the job spec, have a degree in whatever it may be and then a list of a few different other things that are not as important as that degree. So I always had that concern that if I decided, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore, I just want to go out and work. And I did want to work in an environment where I was in the centre of London, sort of wearing a suit and a shirt and going to meetings and, and, and doing all of those types of things. But I just didn't really think it was possible. Um, but it, it's great to hear that the needle has shifted in a way so that those who are coming through now are really just thinking, you know, I can, I can go and do these things and fingers crossed, um, there'll be a point where they can say, oh, I can go and speak to my uncle Alex who works at so-and-so <laughs> and he might be able to help me out. Um, um, I, I just think, yeah, it's, it's good. It's good that they need mm. to wish. And, and it is shifting, but Gory, you probably have an opinion on this because I, um, Yes, it is shifting, but is it shifting fast enough? And that's a bit that always kind of grates on me. Like, yeah, we're we're in making progress, but it's such slow progress. Yeah, I mean, look, just 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 to come in on on, on the whole the degree thing. Like, I, I did my degree just to have a degree, right? Like, you know, I can hands on to say that I studied chemistry 
a university, right? I am not a chemist. Um, it was one thing that I was good at, but, you know, and I, I, at times I was thinking, you know, what's the relevance of this? You know, it's expensive. How am I going to get out of this? But from my perspective, the, 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 the landscape at that point, you know, degrees were so, so prevalent on every yeah, yeah. description, right? It was so prevalent with organizations knowing that actually that perhaps wasn't as needed or necessary for the job, for the job title, you know, for, 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 for the, for the, for the responsibilities of the job. Um, but I did it and, and, I, and I moved out for it. And I'm, and I'm really glad to hear when Justice was talking about that becoming less of a, of a need when people aren't just stepping into, uh, you're paying a lot of money to try and get, get a degree that may not, you know, mean a lot, but organizations aren't moving quickly enough. You know, there is a, a movement where they start to reconsider the job descriptions and thinking about what is necessary for that role. You know, are you looking for somebody that has the skills right now that can do the job or do they have potential to be able to, to do it and can be trained on the job as well? And that, that's really important when you're looking, you know, comparing potential to experience. Um, what I see is a lot of large organizations are starting to do this, right? Are, are thinking about this because they've got the resource to um, review, reevaluate, almost update all of the job descriptions and change it in one go. Mm -hmm. Smaller, medium-sized organizations aren't investing in this as much. Yeah. Typically, because they don't know where to start. Um, so a lot of organizations we work with, we've got to start. We, we, know, we, we get back to the basics, okay? What's the goal you're trying to achieve? What is yeah. the, the cost of the organization if you don't invest in widening your candidate pool? And a lot of them don't, you know, they don't realize that actually we're just going to the same places to get the same people, right? You know, many yeah. they, they, they wouldn't even think about going to, to, to justice school and saying, well, when, you know, when you were at school, let me go and talk to those people. So they're now realizing, hold on, if I widen, widen my candidate pool, you know, this is, this is brilliant for us. It just means we get more candidates, which is necessary because there is a, a war for talent at the moment. Um, and to yeah. do that, we also need to educate our recruiters on how do we widen the candidate pool. We also yep. educate the managers on how to onboard people, right? And that's probably one of the biggest shifts for me recently is people are taking a look at how they onboard people into organizations. Look, for the, for the most part, most organizations have a pretty, a pretty rubbish onboarding or induction process. Like we all know that it's, 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 it's never that easy. None, none of it is stellar. So realizing that actually what it does for diverse candidates who come in, it makes it even harder for them to integrate into the business and then they're going to leave. Yeah. Retention rates are going through the roof because yeah. people yeah. are like, why do I need to be here? So yeah. there is there is a shift. It's not fast enough, but you know, thankfully, is you know, as as candidates start to think, actually, you know, what well, I I'm going to go to an organization and it needs to be right for me. Organizations are thinking, are we making it right for them? Are we making it yeah. right for everybody? Yeah. And that's that's coming in. That's what we're seeing. Yeah. Yeah, which goes and which which is why I mean inclusion. Like I've as part of my role, I've always said that you know the diversity will come, but you've got to get inclusion right. Without the inclusion piece, what's the point of um, you know kind of going right? We're going to go out and increase the number of women, or increase the number of ethnic minorities, or increase the number of you know whatever minority group that we we might be going after. The diversity just won't you know we won't retain that talent. If, mm. if it's not a, a place that people feel comfortable in and yeah, come particularly in, in the I yeah they'll come in they'll engage they'll be like this isn't right for me and I'll leave yeah and, and and then you're like and the cost for replacing talent you know when you've invested so much it is pricey um and yeah. you'd be right sorry to cut you off but I think that's that yeah I get very passionate about when people feel like we just want different faces it's not enough yeah yeah
Yeah, I wonder if um, I wonder if just as as we kind of we've talked about the things that we're passionate about, we've talked about the difference that you know everyone should be making more of. What what kind of simple ways do you think then um, now moving forward? can organizations kind of adopt to make a difference um i know from a from an experience at softcat you know it's not just outwardly going right we're going to make a difference we're going to go out and do all the outreach we're going to you know there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that you have to change and adopt internally like you've just said gory you know recruitment processes need to be need to evolve hiring managers have to have a different mindset a growth mindset that stakeholder relationship at the top needs to be really buying into it as well there's quite a lot of internal movement that doesn't happen overnight but what practical kind of tips can you give organizations here that might be listening to this podcast well i believe you can in you can educate people on inclusion right and i think it's really important i feel um people managers they can make or break your diversity and inclusion strategy right if you do not invest in those individuals yeah. And you'll find people leaving. Look, you know, it's often mm-hmm. said in recruitment that people don't leave the organization, they leave their manager. And mm-hmm. if your manager feels equipped to support you um, and your needs and to help you progress with the organization and let you fulfill your potential, um, and they were educated and given the tools and the techniques to do that, having the right kind of yeah. conversations with you, then that can truly help you. So investing in your managers, investing in their training, investing in their learning, and, and also hearing from them where they feel like I don't have what I, what I, what I need to help someone like Justice progress in this organization, right? Yeah. Um, so there's, there's, there's a bit that can, that can be done there and I think that's, that's really important. Um, you know, organizations need to think about the access into the organization, so not just to do traditional hiring processes, but how do you have clearer pathways into the industry? So, you know, things like academies and boot camps, you know, a lot of them are free and, and you know, the government, you know, did the fully funded one last year that we got involved with getting involved with that so that you can mm. build a pipeline into your organization is really 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 important so what i would say you know the other thing is reminding yourself as an organization of the responsibility that you have to ensure that we can level the playing field and have better representation i talked before about a lot of tech organizations having incredible profits but they need to make sure that they're doing the right thing by the level of representation within organizations so again not just investing in diversity but making sure that they feel that they can actually access your organization and and feel you know uh, you know comfortable with an organization so leadership need to be educated on that and feel that they can own it um managers feel need to be supported around having better cultural intelligence um you know understanding different cultures and the needs that they have and become more like coaches than just supervisors and team leaders, right? How do they become coaches for individuals and help them through? They need to be equipped to do that. And that's really, really important. And then again, I was focused on that onboarding process. How do you get people managed and hiring managers involved in that to help them, help them, you know, kind of, kind of, yeah, really, to help these individuals, you know, progress with the organization, uh, you know, effectively. So those are some of the key things that a new organization can do. Um, you know, if you haven't set goals, you know, potentially like, and we do a lot of consultancy around setting goals for organizations. They're different for every organization, but gives you a, 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 a target to focus towards, you know, just saying, I want to have a more inclusive culture is not enough, right? What are you trying yeah. to yeah. Yeah. help people progress? What does that look like? Yeah. And, that, and that's the thing is like, it's, it, it goes beyond words, isn't it? I think, you know, um, we we do see it happen quite a lot and none of you know us as organizations and you know because you know maybe you can speak on behalf of software one alex as well but 
um, you have to mean everything that you're saying otherwise it just doesn't come across as authentic and um for me it's been you know like the last couple of years it's been a bit not to use the kind of journey word but you know it it has because you do have to make sure that everyone kind of really believes and trusts the model and kind of really um can buy into the the ultimate mission which is to make us a more culturally inclusive organization irrespective of the fact that you might have a a fantastic culture it's it's not the culture that is for everybody so it has to keep continuously adapting and evolving for the benefit of um more diverse groups as well yeah um, it's a journey and i think it's it really is important. yeah you know they've got to understand you're just going to get to a simple end point um, but yeah it's good yeah point. justice uh Welcome back. Yes. <laughs> Apologies. <laughs> no worries. It happens to the best of us. He, he, he started um, crying because of um, that. He got reminded of the scoreline. Oh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. <laughs> um, one of the, the one just as a as a closing question. Really, we asked about like what is it that organisations can be doing more of. Um, what have you? I guess from your perspective, a, a different angle really is, and like, you know, be, be really honest here is, what have you seen Softcat doing well and all IT organizations in general? And what do you think we could do more yeah. in terms of like, you know, shifting that dial, making further progress? I think that's a great question. I think, um, Gory, you touched on some really poignant stuff, I think, which really resonates and runs true for me. I think, you mentioned um, about um, people working for the, not for the manager, but the people, the managers, making such an impact on a person's experience within an organisation. Yeah. And I've seen it even here. People that have joined some, like some of the, well, I won't say any names, but some girls that have joined, who um, you know, not necessarily felt completely comfortable, or they've they've seen a lot of change in the time that we've instigated our BAME community, which has been here only for about two years now. Um, but that has made such an impact on their day-to-day -day and their willingness to, you know, be here and them feeling comfortable and encouraged and valued as part of a, as an employee within the business. And I think we do still have a long way to go because I look around my London office now and, you know, it's, it's one of the most multicultural cities in, in the world. And there's probably, a, you know, we've still got a long way to go in terms of, you know, seeing that diversity. But I think definitely within Softcat, it, you can feel that it's true and there's a genuine desire to really make those changes. Um, and I think it's little things, even like our e-celebration that we had recently. I know that when I speak to some of my colleagues here, I know that even just hearing their manager ask them, you know, so how can I support you while you're doing Ramadan and while you're fasting? Things like that make such a difference to your day-to-day -day and you feeling valued in your culture. You feel like you can be your full self when you come to work. Um, so I think it's the little things. I think it comes down to that people management and those the middle management having that skills and being taught um, just how to manage people correctly and how to show empathy and just understanding of cultures. I think that's so poignant and that'll be the difference mm. to retention. I think, um, yeah. I think just a message I want to give out to those individuals who are out there and maybe they're not happy with how um, their company's set up at the moment with them maybe not having the communities where they feel like they can thrive in. Um, you can, you, you've got two options, I say, um, from my standpoint. You can be that beacon who says, you know what, I'm going to set up those communities and those groups um, so that when people do join the business, they're like, you know what, these exist. And yeah. 
plugging in one of our um, older um, <laughs> episodes, we do have one on employee resource groups, which can help you with that. Yeah. Uh, outside of that, if you are going thinking, you know what, I want to step away and I want to go and work somewhere else because I just don't enjoy the environment that I want. It exists. It's out there. You do have managers out there who will be able to support you and, and, and give you that type of mm time that is needed um, for you to succeed and there's companies out there that are not just like a Microsoft or a Softcat or a software one where they're these big sizes there are mid-market companies who are set up in the right way as well um, we've got episode yeah. that, that's coming out um, probably after this one where we're speaking mm -hmm. to someone who worked for a recruitment firm a quite a small recruitment firm and the way that they're set up culturally um, it's, it's really good they've got quite mm -hmm. a diverse amount of people but they're they're able to go um and support all of their all of their employees so um change is happening mm -hmm. because is the main thing the needle yeah, yeah. slowly not as not as quick as we would like it but it's supporting all groups um so whether you're someone from a black background or you're muslim or you're non-binary it is the needle is shifting for you so just yeah keep keep confident in yourself and your own abilities and that, and i think you'll you'll do do just fine can i um add just a couple of things onto that mushka just sure. real quickly i think just on um if you do feel the organization isn't right and you do feel you're stepping out i think giving feedback to the organization is so important i think organizations absolutely they don't understand why people are leaving and they don't understand yeah. how it affects them they know it's costly and I think feedback is so key. Um, I, I also think, uh, and Justice talked about that, but the manager support, I think it's really interesting. I was talking a bit about this little end of last year around what's called protective hesitation, where if a manager doesn't feel comfortable giving somebody feedback on their work because they're, fear, they're fearful that they might be seen to be racist or sexist or whatever, because they can't connect with them, that feedback is so vital for that individual mm. that yeah. you are stunting their growth. Right. So what yep. managers typically they do and all, like we've run a couple of programs which are like getting black people into leadership and some managers kind of supporting them. What you find is that there's a lot of unsaid kind of nervousness. So managers don't say anything. They said, you know, let me just keep it yep. to myself. And that truly affects their support. So you've got to educate them. You've got to give them support yeah, and help them yeah. regardless of whatever area they're yeah. in. Well. I think yeah, that's yeah. You're robbing, you're robbing somebody of that growth opportunity, aren't mm -hmm. you? So it's, it's so vital. And actually, um, Alex, you touched on a couple of podcasts. There's actually a really good podcast that Keisha did. Um, I think it's podcast four. And um, Keisha talked about how she, how we're kind of having that comfort, all organisations can make um, it like a safe place for people to have the confidence to provide that feedback, you know, up Woods feedback as well is is so important so I'd like to say um you know like take a listen to that one because she's talked about how she's embraced that and she's felt really safe and secure um around her like in terms of for the people like her her managers her stakeholders her the leadership team giving her that opportunity to be able to speak up as well and I think that's really important as well so um yeah really really good really good bits a few tips there Gory. So I'm just conscious of time um, and, and first and foremost, thank you, Gory and Justice for, for joining us on the podcast. Really do appreciate it. Um, I think it's fair um, for me and for TK as the podcast to give Gory some time to, to plug in Upskill Digital and, and, and speak a bit about how you can help some businesses. So I'll, I'll give you the floor to just speak a little bit about how you help businesses um, achieve, achieve the goals that they've set in terms of 
their workforce and and making sure that they're prepared um, for the underrepresented workforce. Yeah, look, massively appreciate it. And honestly, we could have this conversation for, for, for hours. And I just love the platform that we're building here and that TK is building to educate a lot of businesses around what they can do to drive that change and start to pick up the momentum there. Um, look, at Upskill, we run a number of programs that are broken down into specific areas of the business. So it could be recruitment. So how do we support you in um, breaking those barriers of access into the organization, increasing levels of diversity, but then also moving it into onboarding so that we can support people when they get there to actually progress. Um, we've got like, our academy programs where we are trying to get, you know, educate uh, a lot of marginalized communities in some of the future ready skills, digital, um, sort of data science, cloud architecture, that kind of stuff and getting them in as well. Um, but you know, a, a big part of trying to drive better representation um, is also tackling the retention piece. So there's a lot of um, focus and a lot of stuff that we do on the equitable career progression. So entire programs that might help getting women into leadership or people from uh, ethnically diverse backgrounds into leadership. So. A lot of this session was about skills and we talked a lot, you know, you know, I think it's really important that we think about what those leadership skills are, empathy, you know, the collaboration, you know, how do you feel equipped to, you know, have that career resilience, you know, when you always get knockbacks, right? How do we help you with the confidence? So we do those programs that get people through. A lot of them are mentoring based. We have a learning platform as well. So we kind of bring it all together to get people on that journey. And then people managers, you know, it's a big thing for us. Um, you know, we have a lot of programs, so shout out to those listeners that are thinking, you know, where do we go to learn? Loads of programs that have, uh, that give yeah. you some of the skills, but primarily businesses, the responsibility is in your hands to invest in your teams um, and, and help drive that better representation across the, across the, uh, across the industry. Um, so yeah, really, really hope that we, we can support and, you know, we, we've got learning programs and loads of examples of stuff that we've done to, to help them really progress. Um, can I mention one thing, uh, Alex, and, and this is a really interesting one, I don't know how you can feed this in, but I, when I went to the TK dinner in Ishka, there was one of the guys who was there and he actually said the only reason he joined his organization, he was a, a, an Indian guy, he said the only reason he joined his organization yeah, was he had seen on their Instagram, there was a black guy that was involved in a Tough Mudder. And he was like, because I just saw someone like that in that, across the rest of the website there was nothing, but I saw that, I thought actually that was worth it. And yeah. that was exciting to me. So talking about what organizations can do, showing representation, it's so powerful. Yeah, it's yeah. So powerful. Otherwise, so you won't. powerful, so simple as well, isn't it? So, so, so simple. So I feel there is something where you can try to elevate those individuals. We've all seen it on mm. our LinkedIn. People are shouting about joining new organizations. I finally made it in this organization. Why is that so important? So we know every, every person in organization hires, progresses, um, you know, that makes a statement, right? It makes a statement from yeah. a diverse background. It makes a statement. It says there is progress. You can come work yeah. here. We need more people like you. And that is so mm. important for, for the industry. So yeah. sorry, I just had to yeah. say it because I thought it was important to get across. No, definitely. You can't be who you can't see. Mm -hmm. It's often the famous words that we hear, aren't they? And um, yeah. absolutely, absolutely fine point to, to end the podcast on, isn't it, Alex? Yeah, 100%, 100%. Um, Justice, is any any last words from you? Any messages you feel like you'd want to give to particular groups, or if you're a message to like your younger self, for example? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, firstly, I'd, I'd echo what you just said, Gori. Um, I think that's so true about the representation, and even on our website, I know that um, I've had people come up to me and be like, "We only apply because we saw this on the Instagram or on the on the website." So that definitely reigns true. Um, I think to my younger self. 
the little bit of advice I'd give myself is be more fearless in opportunities. Um, be more open to learning what you don't know. Um, and have faith that there is a space for you in any room. And when you do walk into any room, be confident in who you are and that you belong there. But I think the likes of Gory, I think that your work that you do is so important, so pivotal. Um, I would have loved to have, you know, had a bit of exposure to that when I was coming up. Um, but yeah, those resources are out there. Reach out to them, tap into them. That's what yeah, brilliant. Thank you. Yeah, perfect. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, yeah, thanks again, um, Gory Justice. And of course, thank you, Anushka, as well. Um, thank you, Alex. Been fantastic. Um, but yeah, that's, that's all we've got time for. So um, please, yeah give it a like give it a share um, please subscribe our main um choice of social media is linkedin so please share it on linkedin if you can share it with a friend a colleague anyone um everyone um that you know. <laughs> we're really trying to get the message out there to as many people as possible um but yeah that's all we've got time for, for today um so yeah until the next episode take care and thank you for listening Thank you very much. Thanks, everyone. See you soon. Take care.